whenever I, I've been around a couple, uh, uh, a married couple, especially a, a couple that are happily married and uh, their, their relationship is full of life, uh, it's not perfect, but, but it's definitely, it's fruitful. One of the things, I, you, you can ask a couple, you know, that are happily married, they're, they're not fighting. If, if you were to ask us this question, did, has this person that you're married to uh, made a difference in your life? And whenever I've asked that question, invariably, I, they say, oh, absolutely. He, yeah, I, if it wouldn't have been for him or if it wouldn't have been for her, uh, and it just sees God has put that person into their life to help them to be able to grow and to become more mature. And uh, so that's one of the benefits of, of being married is we become, uh, we have the potential to become better people. And speaking of marriage, uh, I've had the privilege, in fact, my wife and I have had the privilege of, uh, through the years, of, of introducing two couples, uh, uh, friends of ours, uh, and on blind dates and introducing them. And uh, one was a pastor friend of mine. And another one was a friend that I went to Bible college with, and one, and those other two were her friends, June's friends, and we were able to introduce them, and they got married, and they are still married to this day, have children, and love God and love each other. And today, I want to introduce to you someone that I heard about, but at 19 years of age, uh, it just totally changed me. I didn't know a lot about him. In fact, this is about as far as I know him, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you today about the Holy Spirit, someone who I know will make a difference in your life. Who is he, and what does he want to do? If you have your Bible today, I want you to go ahead and get it open here today. Today we're going to be teaching, not really preaching. I want to kind of just take you through uh, on, on a basic, uh, on the Holy Spirit. We're going to be in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. We're going to also be visiting some other scriptures. But here in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is in the upper room. Scholars believe this is the last hours of Jesus' life before he's going to go to trial and be crucified on a cross. And basically the theme of John chapter 14, 15, and 16, he talks about, I'm going to be leaving, and uh, he says, but don't be troubled. Uh, I'm going to send someone to you that's going to help you out when I'm gone. And he's going to go ahead and he's going to take time. He's going to introduce to them the Holy Spirit. And he says here in John chapter 14, verse 16, he said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. Now, I want you to notice something right up here. I want you to notice that he and him is capitalized, okay? Do you see that? Now, the question is, why is he and him capitalized? Now, by the way, that is referring to the Holy Spirit. Understand this. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not an it, 
The Holy Spirit never is mentioned as an it. He is, write this down, he is a person. Now, why is that important? Why am I making this important? Why does Jesus talk about he? Not, doesn't talk about a wind, doesn't talk about a force, but he talks about a he, a him. Why is that so important? If you don't see the Holy Spirit as a person, you will never develop a personal relationship with him. By the way, he wants you to know him. He wants you to experience him. By the way, he wants to help you and I. He's described here as the, help, the helper. Here's what we know about him. He is described as the third person of the, the Trinity. We hear of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Let me take you to a couple uh, of scriptures here in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. I want you to see some, some verses that, that deal with the Trinity here this morning. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Okay? So here we see the Father mentioned, we see Jesus mentioned, and we see the Holy Spirit all mentioned here in, in, uh, in 25 and 26. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 26, the next chapter, it says, Jesus says, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you, the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. There again, we see the Trinity right there, uh, very clearly displayed there on the pages of our Bible. And then Jesus said here in John chapter 16, verse 7, he says, but I tell you the truth. Let me understand that Jesus was a truth teller. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Now, Jesus talks about that those who have the Holy Spirit have an advantage in life, okay? Uh, by the way, uh, by God's grace, okay, we are God's sons and daughters. But what we do, what we have, we have an advantage of people who do not know God. Here's what we have an advantage. We have him. He's going to help us out. He will be our helper in time of need, okay? And... Uh, by the way, the Holy Spirit, okay, is not just for the religious hierarchy, for the pastors, for the evangelists, for the apostles, for the prophets, and for the teachers. The Holy Spirit is for all people. So it's for the righteous. Now I want you to see this word. I want you to write this down because we're going to be doing a series over the next couple weeks on the Holy Spirit. Here, he is described, the Greek word is called parakletos, okay, Parakletos means helper, okay? Now, para, no, the Greek word for para, when you, you kind of break this up, para means to come alongside. Here comes the Holy Spirit. He's coming alongside. And then kletos means to come right next to, okay, to come very close. So what does he want to do? The Holy Spirit wants to come very close to you and I. 
Question is, what does he look like? Okay, now this word, uh, parakletos, and when the translators of the Bible, by the way, uh, translations are not perfect. In fact, when you see this word parakletos, and you see it translated in other different versions uh, and, and translations, they give it different definitions. But here it is. Let me give you a couple things. It means a legal advocate who makes the right judgment call because he's close to the situation. He's also described as an advisor, a counselor, an intercessor. The King James Version, okay, describes him as a comforter, okay? You can write some of those down. Write this down. Advisor, counselor, intercessor, and comforter. Now, the question I would like to ask you here this morning, have you ever thought of the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as an intercessor, as someone who's going to guide you? I want to encourage you here today. I don't know what you've heard about the Holy Spirit. In fact, there's been a lot of bad theology that has been taught about the Holy Spirit. But we sang here this morning, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in this place. And I believe this. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to come and comfort us. He wants to advise us. He wants to help us. He wants to console. Not only that, I believe this as well. He wants to empower us to live a victorious Christian life. And there's a lot of people that are in churches that are frustrated when it comes to their relationship with God because they feel like they never can go forward, always going backwards, you know, uh, uh, one step uh, forward, two step back. And, and I want to let you know the Holy Spirit will help us to live victorious over sin. So who is the Holy Spirit? I'm going to talk about three things here this morning. Number one, he is what you just heard, my helper. Here's what the Holy Spirit will do. If you have a relationship with him, in fact, if you have Christ in you, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, okay? But a lot of us really don't know who he is and what he wants to do. He will teach you what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. In fact, last night, I mean, I was in a very difficult situation with another person. Uh, it affected my night's sleep, and, and it was like what I heard coming to me, I'm going, oh, my goodness. And, uh, and, and, and the natural Mike Rarick would come out, I mean, which, you know, like uh, uh, aggressive, and, and the Holy Spirit says, quiet, just listen, don't, don't attack, just listen, be kind, and, and, and don't say anything. And, uh, and just that, it opened up an immense door for this person to begin just to open up with what was going on in their life. How did that happen? It was the Holy Spirit. Now, what great things does he help us with? Let's look at the, what the scripture here says. John chapter 16, verse 7 Jesus says, but I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, here it is, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. This is talking about Three, three specific ministries, three specific things, what the Holy Spirit 
will do, something that he will help us with, okay? What does the Holy Spirit, first of all, do? He will, first of all, convict us of sin. You say, wow, you know, I look at this, it's kind of a strange verse. What's up with that? The Holy Spirit convicting you and I of sin. Why is that so important? Listen, here it is. If you and I don't understand what sin is and its consequences, we'll never understand the need for a Savior. So what does the Holy Spirit do to convict us of sin and wrongdoing? What is his main tool that he uses to convict us of when we do something wrong, when we're, when we're off the beating path, we're going in the wrong direction, okay? What does he do? He brings God's word to us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, many of you know this. It says, for the word of God is living, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting swift and deep into our innermost thoughts and desires with all their parts, exposing us for what we really are. When, when you begin to read this, or if you come and you listen to this, you're not just coming to hear a sermon, but you're coming to listen. You're, you have a heart that's open. Uh, God, I, I'm receiving this. I want to tell you something. I mean, it, it, this word is described like a sword, and it penetrates, and it brings conviction. Now, many of you know my story and how I came to know Christ, but for those who are here this morning, I want to go through the whole thing, but I want to just tell you uh, just a, a very quick uh, thing that when I began to first read the Bible, uh, and I was 19 years old, and I'm, in, I'm, I'm in the bedroom, and I'm reading this, and, uh, and I'm really being honest before God. My mom taught me how to pray uh, before I re read the Bible. God, just show me what I need to know. So I started reading the Gospel of Matthew. As I'm reading the Gospel of Matthew, now mind you, okay, I was a religious person, uh, but I was a religious person who was not right with God. I went to church on Sunday, and uh, I went through the motions, I went through the rituals, and, uh, and I really honestly... I totally thought I was good with God. I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm okay. I'm starting to read this, and I'm going, oh, my goodness. And I remember, I, I, and I read it for about three or four days, and I'm getting to Matthew chapter 7. That was the defining spiritual moment in my life. And as I'm reading it, and I'm just feeling, there was this, there, there was this intense guilt inside of me. I began to see the Holy Spirit began to expose how many different people that I hurt in my life. Not only the different people that I hurt in my life, but how I had done damage to my own self and also what I had done to hurt my relationship with God or my lack of it. And so there was a, a deep sense of conviction, a deep sense of guilt that, you know, and, and, I, and I'm hearing God and God's speaking to me and he says, Mike, you think you're right with me, but you're not. And I mean, it was, God was just so honest. He says, Mike, you are wicked. You are a liar. And he began to just kind of go down the list and, and I couldn't take it anymore. I shut my Bible, okay, closed it, got on my knees, and I said, God, have mercy on me. Forgive me. Come in, and, 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 and that, was, that was the day I became born again. That was the day I experienced God's presence. He, went, he exposed me for what I really was. Now, this word, uh, he will convict, okay? The Greek word for, for this is elenko. It means conviction, or write this other word down, it means to not only just to convict, but to convince, okay? okay? Convince with solid, compelling evidence. 
So was I, as I was reading the scriptures, there was solid, compelling evidence that I was no saint. I was an absolute 100% heathen sinner, okay? So there was compelling evidence behind that. Second of all, he will convict us of righteousness. This is, you go, what does this mean? He will, he will co- convict us or convince us of righteousness. Not righteous living, but righteousness means that we, we will be in a right standing before God. You're righteous, Mike, okay? Now, I am absolutely convinced, absolutely convinced that I'm righteous, okay? And, 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 and you say, well, that's kind of a little bit, you know, a little bit arrogant, isn't it, Pastor Mike? Absolutely not. This is just what the Holy Spirit, I, I know I'm righteous. It's not because of what I've done. It's because of everything that he's done for me on the cross. His blood, okay, spilled out for me, cleanses me from all my sin. As I confess my sin, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and and to cleanse us and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, okay, so now I'm, I'm, I'm made righteous by his blood and by confessing to him. Okay, he's my savior, not Mike Rarick. I have no faith what, at all that, that I have any righteousness in and of myself. So I, I walk daily that whether it was quick or, or whether it was a slow death, I, I just know that, that I, I'm, I'm right with God because of who Jesus is and what he has done for me. So he, he's convicted me or he's convinced me that I'm righteous and, and that gives me confidence. It gives me comfort. Last of all, he will convict the world and convince the world that judgment is coming. The question is, okay, on who? Is that judgment coming on us because we've sinned? No. This judgment is coming upon the devil himself. He says here in John chapter 12, verse 31, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. So he's talking about here that judgment is coming and, and, and this judgment is finally coming upon the enemy of our souls. So this is what the Holy Spirit helps us with. He convinces you and I of a need for a Savior. How many have been convinced? You say, yeah, I need, I, I can totally identify with you, Pastor Mike. Anybody with, in that area? Okay. Uh, he, so he convinces us of our need for a Savior. He convinces us of our right standing before God. He convinces you and I that Satan has no authority over us, by the way, because we are righteous and judgment is coming his way. Judgment's not coming our way. It's coming his way. So first of all, we know the Holy Spirit, he's our helper in so many different ways. I didn't get into all of it, but second of all, we know the Holy Spirit is a truth teller. Now, uh, I know probably many of you have seen programs or movies uh, on TV where a, a drug would, uh, they want to get the truth out of someone. And so they'll, they'll inject someone with this drug. And I always wonder, I said, does that really work? And, and, I, and I Googled this and I said, what is it that they try to use? And it's called sodium theopentol. And basically, it is a drug that helps people to begin to relax, and then you can go ahead and, and spill the beans. Now, it's not 100% accurate, okay? 
But this is what we know about the Holy Spirit is that he is going to go ahead. He's going to guide me into or to tell me the truth, okay? Let's look at a couple scriptures here this morning. Very key. And I'm going to tell you the importance of why this is so key in our life. John chapter 14, verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. So he's described as a spirit, the the spirit of truth. Verse 12 of chapter 16, he says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he... The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Oh, that last part of this verse, that, that, that's a sermon just in and of itself. We're going to be talking about this. So here it is. It talks about that the Holy Spirit is going to be pointing you and I, if we are God's sons and daughters, he's going to be pointing us towards the truth. Now, why is that so important? We have someone, you understand this, that doesn't like us. In fact, wants to destroy us. His name is Satan or the devil. And because we have God's righteousness in our life, he just can't steamroll us and just attack us and says, you know, I'm, I'm just going to overtake him and, and he's going to be mine. He can't do that. So what does the enemy do to try to get to God's people to bring destruction in their lives? Here's what he does. He brings lies and deceit. Listen what Jesus says about him. John chapter 8, verse 44. Jesus says, he's having, by the way, he's having a conversation with the religious Pharisees. This is the religious crowd. These are, these are the people that knew the Bible, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. They had it memorized. These were teachers of the law. And they're in an argument. He says, and Jesus says, for you are the children of your father, the devil. He's speaking to religious people. Understand this. Teachers of God's law. And you love to do the evil things he does He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So here it is. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to go ahead and point you towards the truth. The enemy does the opposite. He he points us towards lies and deceit. Sometimes it even looks like the truth. Sometimes they're half-truths. But look, let's look at what he points us towards. And I want you to notice this. The Holy Spirit, write this down, he doesn't draw attention to himself. He points it in different directions. First of all, he points it, here it is, towards Jesus. Jesus who is, by the way, is the truth. Truth is not just a concept. You're going to see right here, truth is a person. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 16, they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity. How would you like to have that, into, that, that type of a reputation? Jesus, you're a man of integrity. Oh, God, that we would have that. And that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Then in John chapter 1, verse 14, it said, 
the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's talking about Jesus. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So Jesus, this is something that we know about Jesus. He is the truth. In, in fact, in, in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says this. He describes this to one of his disciples, Thomas, in fact. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. The truth. Do we need it in this world? Absolutely. Why? Because the enemy wants to deceive us and to get off of the path. So he points us towards Jesus. That's why it's so important to have a relationship with him. Second of all, not only will he point you towards Jesus, but he's going to point you towards the word. John chapter 16, verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Okay? Okay, and then Jesus describes him. It's still in the upper room, John chapter 17, verse 16. He says, they are not of the world. He's talking about the disciples, even as I am not of this world. And he says, he says Father, would you sanctify them in the truth? Your word is truth. So here's what the Holy Spirit does, okay? He is the one, he, he is the embodiment of truth. He always, when it comes to lies of the enemy, he's always either pointing us to Jesus or he's pointing us towards God's word. That is why it is so important that you and I not only have a relationship and talk to God, but we have a relationship with God's word. That's why on a daily basis, I so encourage you, if you find it difficult to read the Bible, find a Bible program, something, if it, maybe it's the translation that you're reading, it, it confuses you. There are so many different translations that are easy to read, that can help you to understand what the meaning is that you're reading. So I encourage you, go to that because it will protect you. The enemy is out to deceive you, to lie to you so that he can trip you up in your relationship with him. So who is the Holy Spirit? He is my helper. And, and number two, he will direct me towards the truth. And third, he is, last of all, he is my God. Now when I say he is my God, uh, uh, or I say, God, God the Father, you would have no problem with that, right? Okay, yeah, God the Father, or, or Jesus, uh, Jesus is God. Jesus is my God, no problem, right? Now, if I say the Holy Spirit is my God, and you have a problem with that, I want to tell you something, theologically, uh, and practically speaking, you are off, okay? The Holy Spirit, okay, is God. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. I'm going over this scripture a, a number of times, that he may be with you forever. So he's laying evidence that the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son were all one. And then verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. But I want you to see this one right here. This is so clear how the Holy Spirit is described as God. There's an incident that happens in Acts chapter 5. 
one of the scariest chapters in the New Testament where God brings judgment, okay, down upon two so-called believers who tried to deceive Ananias and Sapphira. By the way, they both were killed, okay? And says, so, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to who? To the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? After, and after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. So he's linking the Holy Spirit right there together with God. Now, I, 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 wanted, I want you to see something. And he says, he will bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. Also, he talks about, it says here in John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. Now, I want you to write down two words, logos. Write down logos. Okay, that's the Greek word for the written word or the scriptures. Okay, we have this daily. We can, this is at our fingertips. We can get on our phones. We, I mean, we have access to the scriptures. I don't know if you realized how privileged we are to have the scriptures. I mean, if, if you were in China and other countries, I mean, people are begging for Bibles. And, uh, and he says right here, this, is, this word is right here is literally at our fingertips. We can, we can learn from it. We can read it. And, and we can know the general will of God for life, okay? But then what is, what is the specific will of God for life? What does he want us to do? How does he want us to run our business? Uh, what do we do? Uh, uh, do we get married to this person? Do I not get married to this person? What do I do for a career? And that is what you call, write this word down, it's called rhema, R-H-E-M-A. And that is, that is the spoken word of God which comes from the Holy Spirit. He will speak of things to come. I think of two moments in my life. I want to uh, tell you about one. I mean, they, they were huge uh, in my life because of the Holy Spirit and, and, and my relationship with God's Word and just my relationship with Him and, 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 and praying in the Spirit and, and really living a life of surrender. When it comes to the ministry, being a pastor or wherever I was, I never held on to my position or where I was. I wasn't holding on to it like this. I always held on to being a pastor. I was, I was like this. And God, if you ever wanted to change directions, Lord, if you ever want me to go anyplace else or to do anything else, that's fine, Lord. Uh, so I remember uh, I had my mind, I was planning to do something and uh, uh, and. I had a ministry idea. I wanted to, uh, to, to be a, a pastor in the inner city. I wanted to reach gangs. I felt God really was directing me towards that. And uh, then I met my wife. My wife got pregnant. And to make a long story, uh, I, I, I decided to forego school. And then it was right during that time, God spoke to me about becoming a youth pastor. Folks, that wasn't even on the radar for me. I wasn't even considering that. I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of guys that were going to be youth pastors, and they, they used youth ministry as a stepping stone to become the senior pastor, the real pastor. And, and so I, I had, in fact, I had never been in a youth group in my whole life. Up to, I got saved when I was 19. I was with the adults. 
And uh, so God speaks to my heart. And, and so I go into the youth ministry. I don't know anything about it. I haven't been trained in any way. God speaks to my heart about it. And uh, so I have been in, in, in this church there at New Life Assembly, Yorkville, Illinois, uh, set almost seven years and doing really well. Had a great relationship with the senior pastor. The church was doing well. The youth group was doing phenomenal. We had over 125 kids. We had about 350 people that were coming to church. It was growing. Many lives were being changed. And I remember it was in the fall time. I'm the last one uh, coming out of church. I'm going to my car. And, and I'm happy. I mean, I, I, you know, things are really going. I mean, it was, I mean, I just really felt like I was hitting my stride. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, Mike, I'm moving you on from here. And I go, really? And I go, and so I, I, it was just so, so, I didn't hear it all of me, and I wasn't thinking about it. And I go, what's up with this? So I began to pray, and I said, Lord, what do you want to do? And God, over the course of a couple months, the, the thing that he had put on my heart years before about going into the inner city and ministering to, gang, to gangs, God had put it on the back burner. He wanted me to learn some things and, and, in the youth ministry, and then all of a sudden, God put the youth ministry on the back burner and brought the gang ministry going into the inner city back to the front. Now, you say, that didn't make sense. I had three Listen, guys, I was in the country, okay, really nice area, nice home. We were renting a home. I had three little girls, okay, to take three little girls and my wife and go to the south side of Chicago, absolutely in the natural does not make sense. The south side of Chicago, by the way, you always hear about it in the news. A lot of, I've seen kids, uh, game members be killed, prostitutes, the drugs, the whole thing. But that was the Holy Spirit. We were there for four years. God gave us tremendous fruit. He will speak of things yet to come. Some of you are wondering, what do I do? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to marry this person? Uh, am, I supposed to, am I supposed to do this, whatever? I would encourage you in your prayers, Holy Spirit, you know God's will. You speak of things that you hear of. Would you begin to share that with me? I promise you that he wants to speak to your heart here. The Holy Spirit, it's a game changer. And we're going to be praying here this morning. We're going to begin to pray that the ministry of the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to people, will begin to minister to people, will begin to convince and convict you. Some of you have been walking around just living in a place of just constant condemnation and, and it's the enemy just kind of rubbing your nose into your sin and just say you're, you're nothing but a losing Christian and that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit convicts us when we do wrong but he never condemns us today he wants to convince you he says listen my son and my daughter you're not right because you uh, because of your deeds you're only right because of my son because of Jesus Christ and his blood so we're going to pray here this morning we're going to ask the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask our prayer people, our altar people that pray for people. Would you come up here right now? And uh, we're going to begin to pray. We're going to ask for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to become present in your life. I don't know what your need is here today. But I know that when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes with power to meet 